get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Come on, St. Louis hockey fans, stand up and cheer. The Blues are back strong. This is our year. It's the Blues turn now. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Yeah, it's the Blues turn now. With that Al McKenna slap shot, you know we can't lose. Let's do that hockey. Come on, St. Louis! All over the hockey universe, the note is the news. Oh boy. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 23 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. We are live on Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. This is franchise episode number 156 all-time. I'm your host, Craig Price. My always trusty co-hosts are with me again, Bill Day and Jeff Ponder to interact with us or the show on social media. Follow us on Twitter, where most of our interaction takes place, at LGB Radio on Twitter, uh, at Kurt Price is mine, at Billy Blue Notes is Bill's, and at Ponder 94 is Jeff's. Uh, also follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and the website is letsgoblues.com. Um, check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. And uh, I guess just really quick here, uh, the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament took place last Saturday. Uh, neither Jeff's team nor my team uh, won <laughs> in much of anything. So, uh, But it was fun. Uh, fun was had by all. Um, my daughter won a few things in the raffle, which was fantastic, which she always seems to do. Um, and I did win the uh, bet that uh, Jeff and I had going, the small little bet to see who could score the most points in the tournament. And uh, Jeff had one goal, and I had a whopping two goals. And, and so we, in five games, I had two whopping points, and uh, I kind of accepted the win uh, with a tail between my legs, kind of. It was very strange. Okay. And you sound great, Kurt, by the way. You, uh, you <laughs> obviously have... Uh been practicing talking all day today well um k billy super sounds of the 70s <laughs> that's what i'm shooting for no i i actually have a, a a sore throat thing going on here so and mr blues head has joined us in the youtube chat and he says i sound different that's why there you go <laughs> i may yeah, keep this the, voice for a while the ponder tournament was great bill it was great seeing you there uh oh, yes to- sorry about that we uh had company coming into town and they arrived two hours early, which uh, completely shut out my window for getting out to St. Charles since it takes me an hour one way. So, As Michelle would say on Full House. Yeah. How rude. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess it's not St. Charles, but it is uh, Queenie Park. Still an hour commute. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, no, not, it's a hike. For, you guys, for sure. It's That's a hike. A long... It's a hike. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I used to live about <laughs> two minutes from there, and uh, I've driven to Kurtz, and my Lord, that is a long drive. It is. It, so, I, no, it was, a, it was an excellent tournament. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming out who made it out. Um, congrats to Team Ragsdale uh, and a couple of listeners of the show on that team. Um, yeah, I don't eh, – Kurt, you and I could have done better. 
next time oh yeah right let's play, let's play on the same line and then just barnstorm the entire <laughs> tournament well maybe next time i, I won't i won't uh have a few too many beers the night before <laughs> that was that was not a good idea maybe next time i'll you know lose 20 pounds i don't know what my excuse was but yeah not a very good night of hockey for me but overall a lot of fun so again thank you everybody for coming out um we don't have an exact total that we raised yet but uh, i do know it was uh at least right on par with what we made last year so as soon as I figure that out, I will uh, I will tweet that out for anyone who cares. But uh, be the match is also very grateful for the donations and for the uh, the amount of money people spent that night. So any of you listening, you were there. Thank you very much. And for those that participated and those that helped get everything going, again, thank you very much. It was a wonderful night. The official beers of episode number one hundred and fifty six. Bill, uh, I- I'm sitting this one out. I will not be drinking a, a, a alcoholic beverage this evening, but I do have a a beverage. But Bill, what you got? Um, I have Glenn Lasseur from Brasserie du de Ciel, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. <laughs> you can't you can't not say that without a without your nose up in the air. You just can't. I, I, I really can't. <laughs> and I drink it with my pinky extended. Right. Yeah, pinky's up. It's how it works. Okay. Um, no, it's. Uh, I was reading up on the the background of this. Uh, Grand Nasseur, uh refers to it's French for the Great Darkness. It refers to a very dark time in Quebec political history. Okay. So we're so talking it, about a very dark time in blues history tonight. Sure. It's it's a yeah it's a period a dark it period is, yes it is yeah. so so it's appropriate for that reason. It was also very good. Um, if you go to Montreal to see a blues game. Take the trip. It's a it's about a half hour uh, trip from uh, downtown out to where the brewery is. Well worth it. Very excellent beer uh, between Grand Noisseur and uh, Peche Mortel. Two of the best stouts that I I have ever had. Ringing endorsement. Excellent, Jeff. What you got? I wouldn't say this is a dark time. I, a dark period. I'll agree with, but. Uh... You know what it are. You're arguing semantics. Time always, period. It's always darkest right before the dawn, right? Yeah, we're still so as blues fans. Hope, we're still waiting for the dawn. Hope the dawn is coming. But uh, no, my beer is uh, one of my favorites. A little bit of a celebratory beer, I guess. But uh, just one that I, it's an everyday beer for me. Uh, forehand single speed. I thought you said contact or, high. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, contact high is definitely one I love year round, but. No, this one is, uh, this is kind of like my Bud Light. You know, if I'm out at a restaurant, I see they have single speed. That's the thing I'm ordering. Uh, like how a lot of St. Louis's order Bud Light or Bud Select. Um, this is just, it's just a good, uh, good ale uh, for anyone who's never had it. Um, I don't know. What does it taste like? I know you guys have probably had it before. I can't even think of what it tastes like, but it's, it's good. It's a good beer and, and I strongly recommend it if you like four hands. Uh, the Chatterbox uh, 1999 in the YouTube chat says, my favorite beer is Stag Light. They make a Stag Light? I enjoy myself some Stag. It's an abomination if they do. You know, I, I know they, they have made Stag Light in the past. Mm. I don't know if they currently do. Maybe they do. Uh, my my uh, beverage this evening is uh, just... NyQuil. Well, yeah, among medications, it is just hot water and honey. In a St. Louis Blues mug. So there's that. Uh, that's about the consistency of the blues play this year, right? It 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 really tastes 
pretty damn good actually. The honey in the water is just it feels good too. Mm. 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 A beer would not be good for me right now. Not at all. I'd be pushing buttons and playing weird things on the Yeah. Wouldn't work. Now that sounds like a fun show. I you know, maybe next time. Uh, today in Blues History, courtesy of the at STL Blues Twist History Twitter account. Uh, November 20th, 2018, uh, today's date, so November 20th, 1990, six people suffered smoke inhalation, including a 12-year-old boy celebrating his birthday, oh, uh, in a fire at the St. Louis Arena during a game between the uh, St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. So that was, I do not recall that. I don't recall that either. And apparently it was a kind of, they didn't tell the people on the stands. In the crowd, the game was going on. They didn't tell anyone that it was happening. And they said the when the fire trucks arrived, they could see flames coming out of the side of the building. <laughs> and when they when when they got in, they decided not to alert anyone. And they put the fire out. And then they told everyone after the fact that there was a fire, which is kind of a weird thing to do. How many fire codes does that break? You, I, you have a fire in a building filled with, uh, what was it, 17,000 people, and you don't evacuate the building? Well, well, you're not, you're not supposed to yell theater in a crowded firehouse, ever. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that's, that's how the saying That's goes. what you do. You go into a firehouse, and you yell, and you yell theater, and then run out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if that happened nowadays, how many lawsuits there would be? Right. In the post-Great White world? <laughs> oh man too soon too soon uh, um so i don't know i mean there's not much on the agenda to talk about uh, this show um i guess we can close it up yeah i mean uh maybe we'll open it up for everybody to join us um <laughs> after a disappointing last season missing the playoffs a seven nine and three start to this season including losing four of our last five and getting shut out in three of our last four most recently to the last place la kings in st louis Bad losses to Minnesota, San Jose, Chicago, Winnipeg, Columbus. And sitting in 14th out of 15th teams in the West, the St. Louis Blues have finally, finally fired head coach Mike Yo. Um, thank God. It should have happened. I'm pissed. I'm, I'm, I, when I heard the news, I'm like, I was just pissed. Because I'm like, this should have happened two or three weeks ago. This is ridiculous. Yep. Everyone's calling for this shit to happen. And now... It's like, why wait so long? And then it does happen. And then I'm like, as a fan, as someone who, you know, follows the team very closely, like a, many of you do, I, you're like, what the hell took so long? That you could have maybe salvaged some points here. Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, you, you weren't doing yourself any favors leaving Yo in as coach. But, I don't know. I, I, what, what, where were you when you got the news yeah. that Yo was fired? So, <laughs> so this was – well, this was – my thought, and I said this earlier this week, I think I might have even said it uh, Sunday or Monday. Um, my only thought with why the firing didn't happen was maybe there's a uh, there's a, 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 a contract discussion with a current available coach. You know, obviously Quinville, Vigneault, those kind of guys come to mind. So I thought, okay, maybe he's just, they're working out a contract. You, you know, you don't want to fire the guy, bring it into him, and then the next game or two games from then, you got a new head coach already. Uh, that would just be confusing. So I thought, okay, that's what it is. But then they fire Mike Yo at the end of the game last night, and Craig Ruby has been given the interim tag, which is fine. Uh, that's something, I mean, again, Kirk, we, we all called for it weeks and weeks and weeks ago. 
And it's something that I said, and again, I know you guys have said this too. What you knew, I'm sorry. I don't I don't care what Doug Armstrong says. If anybody were to ask him this question, you knew a month ago that at some point this season, you're probably gonna have to fire Mike Yo. So why wait? Just do it. Get it out of the way. Like you said, salvage some points. Um, I, I know that it's it's uh, uh, forever uh, pessimistic of, of being a Blues fan because we got what we wanted. We should be celebrating, like I said. I mean, I kind of am. But like you, Kurt, I'm pissed off too. Why? What took so long? You knew this was going to happen. And I said this last night before the firing happened. The longer Armstrong waits, the longer leash he gives Yo, the shorter his leash becomes. And I think even though he's signed that contract extension last year, he's looking at a pretty short leash as GM of this team. I agree. I think, and from STL Blues History Twitter account again, he tweeted out today, the St. Louis Blues have been shut out 11 times since November 2nd, 2017. So that's a little over a year. Uh, that's tied with Montreal for the most times being shut out over that span. So just, just you know, a, a list of things you could just rattle off down the line as far as like how the team has performed and reasons as to why you should be fired. And that's kind of a glaring one right there. You just don't. It, last season when goal scoring was a problem, this season it wasn't until recently, uh, last four or five games. So um, it's just the the inconsistent roller coaster of crap that we've had to deal with. Yeah. I mean, what was my immediate reaction? Texting you guys both about fucking time. <laughs> you know, we're we're all in this. You know, we we were all on the same page about. You know, I I think a month ago. You know, I think Jeff, you hit that on the head. You know, and and why wait? And I think we got a lot of the answers. You know, I I think not not directly, but you read between the lines and what Armstrong said in the press conference today. Um, you get a lot of those answers and, um, you know, he, he was hesitant to pull the trigger cause he liked Mike Yo. He was a friend and I, yeah. you know, the, the mediocre success from the last homestand bought him another road trip, which, which uh, if you're, if you're that close to being fired, come on, just, just pull the trigger already. Well, that, that friend crap. That friend crap that, that we hear about, too, it almost makes you, and I'm saying this man's a dinosaur, something just flew across Kurt's screen there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a child. My son my son was wanting to play the arcade, and I'm like, was, ah, wait till we're done, bud. Was, was it Mike Yo? Is, you got him stored in yeah, the yo, Yeah, Yo's uh, uh, in the other room uh, uh, <laughs> consoling himself. Yeah. He's crying in the corner with his binky. He, he really uh, just wants to come in and play some Galaga. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Yeah, a lot of free time now. What... What video game music would make this show peppier? We could get we could get uh, Cooper to come in here and, and just play Donkey Kong or something. Donkey Kong. For yeah. some reason, the Qbert theme song would yeah. be appropriate for this show. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Yo, firing of, Q, of, 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 of Yo. And bringing in Coach Q. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's Qbert. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I like that, Coach Qbert. Yeah. Coach Qbert. Yeah. Hey, that's that's a that's a Photoshop from uh, Mr. Blues Hat waiting to happen. Coach Qbert, right there. Yeah. So rising so, to the top, you know, on that disc, you know, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of Blues Mountain with all the players' faces on. Oh, yeah. uh, you're you, welcome, Mr. Blues Hat. Uh, you're welcome. You, you, well, anyway, I, I was going to say that um, to, to finish my thought. As much as I don't like the man, it makes you kind of respect Lou Amarillo. You look at a guy like him, who is just, hey, this isn't working. I'm going to fire the coach. I don't care if I have to coach. Yeah, if I get one of my assistants to do it, and listen, I'm not a fan of Lou Amarillo. 
But you look at Armstrong, he's waiting way too long to fire these guys. Yeah. And it's it's annoying because it's, again, like Kurt said, you could have possibly picked up some points the last couple of weeks. I mean, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but across sports, we see teams fire their coach and just go on a tear. What if this was two weeks ago? All of a sudden, the Blues are probably back in the playoff picture at this point. Uh, the St. Louis Blues home attendance over the past four seasons uh, with crowds under 17,000. The number of this was also tweeted out by the SDL Blues history account. Uh, 2015-16, five crowds under 17,000. 16-17, one crowd. 17-18, two crowds. So far this season in 12 home games, 18-19 season, six. So attendance is dropping. Right. And much, but, much props to the STL Blues history Twitter account for validating everyone. I mean, he, he's a man who brings the numbers to support the feelings that we all have. Yes. I mean, and, it's not just performance on the ice. The fans are making it. No, they're not showing up as much. Right. And, and I think that was the kind of the... Uh, the idea behind some of Armstrong's comments in the presser today about the fans being blue collar and, you know, it, it takes a commitment from the fans and they're not willing to give it because the product on the ice is shit. Yeah. And I know Mr. Blue's hat has feelings about the product in the building. It's also <laughs> shit. I've not yet gone to a game this year, so I will defer to his season I've, ticket holder expertise. But I've been to a couple and he's spot on. Well, we've had this yeah. discussion on Twitter. It's, it's the the in game which we talked about before. But, right, and at the end of the day, people go to see hockey games. Yes, I mean, and, yeah, I, I think a lot can season, be a lot can be forgiven if the product if it's a winning team on the ice. Um, but when you're losing, then you're already in a bad mood, and then all of a sudden, if the in game entertainment is kind of shitty, it's like, well, god damn it, so. Oh, shut oh, up. Sorry. Don't, oh, sorry. Even, don't, don't even. Delete that. Delete that. Yeah. Please remove that from the podcast so our <laughs> faithful listeners don't have to hear that. Jeez. Uh, yeah. The, the home attendance thing bothered me. We uh, we were at the game, the San Jose game, and uh, it was amazing. We looked around and it just how many empty seats there were. And it, it's, again, I mean, I know the team's bad, but we've had a couple rough starts here and there. You know, and a team like San Jose, who's got a ton of star power, comes into town. Plus, there's a little bit of a, a, a rivalry there in, in terms of the cities, I think, not the teams anymore. But, you know, people still look at San Jose, I think, as someone who uh, is kind of a rival of the team. And there are so many empty seats. And then we could we brought up a couple weeks ago the, the Saturday Blackhawks game, how it was right around 17,000 was the attendance. That's crazy for a Blues-Blackhawks game. Uh, that should at least be close to a sellout. And again, that's that's tickets sold. That's not even how many people showed up, which give or take a thousand there. So you're talking two thousand empty seats for a big rivalry game, even though the Blackhawks aren't what they used to be. It's still a game that sold out almost there. I think it sold out every game last year. And Did all of a sudden we're not seeing it. And it's maybe it's in game entertainment, but like Bill said, people are going to see hockey. And people don't like this hockey. I mean, part of it was the expectations coming into the year. But this has been a bad team to watch. And we have beat the dead horse enough that is Mike Yo on how bad decisions he's made. The the awful, awful uh, strategy that we saw from this team that, that, that really kind of took away any speed out of the offense. 
Um, so yeah, maybe things change now. Maybe this alone gives a little bump to uh, to attendance. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it was concerning for me, and I'm just a fan, a podcaster. You got to think Tom Stillman's there ripping his hair out, thinking, "What the hell do I got to do to get people in the building?" They still charge more for games against the Blackhawks, right? The, they they, so. they charge more for Saturday they, for uh, they, for weekday weekend yeah. games and for premium games, which are like division rivals like Blackhawks and. Right. So if you if you're not selling out. Dynamic pricing, I think it's called. Okay, whatever, whatever, how they want to spin it to charge more money, but I mean, they have a hard. That's a hard sell if you're not if you can't sell out a game against the Hawks. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, right. I granted the Hawks Which, aren't having a great year and the Blues are down, but still, I mean, was, it shouldn't. Was that that was a Saturday night game too, right? Yeah, yep. That's, yeah, I, that's that's insanity. I know. I mean, shit. Even even in you know when the Hawks were featuring Tyler Arneson as their top line player, those games sold out. Um, Yo's finishes during full initial seasons that he has coached, and they've all been in the Central. Eleven, uh, twelve, he finished fourth. Thirteen, fourteen, finished fourth. Fourteen, fifteen, finished fourth. Seventeen, eighteen, finished fifth. And this season, when he was fired, they're seventh. So yeah. that's his it's track just, record so far yeah, as head it, coach in right. full Kurt, seasons. You- full seasons. Kurt, you've said this multiple times. Um, why, why was he? What has he done to earn such a leash? I mean, I called for it. I mean, I was I I didn't like him going into the season personally, but I, you can't fire a guy right before the season starts. Um, but the 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 Blue Jackets game a couple weeks ago when they just got trounced. Uh, was it seven to four, seven to three, whatever yeah. it was? I think it was seven three. Why don't you make that change then? I mean, that that was a debacle of a hockey game. Again, it, he was outcoached, outmatched in every aspect of that game. Now, granted, John Tortorella is one of the, the better coaches in the league, some would argue at this point, but uh, he's just he was completely outcoached. And they they just sat on him for as long as they could. And it's just mind-boggling. Again, I don't maybe it's a financial thing. Cause you still have to pay your coach after you fire him. Maybe it's again with the, the, the friend thing with Armstrong, maybe it's Armstrong trying to hold the players accountable, which I agree with to a certain extent, but when you're watching the game and when you're seeing what he's done in the past with Minnesota's pretty good teams and then with blues teams in the past, there's no reason to hold on to this guy as long as they did and expect anything that what he's already output with his past teams. I was going to say another another possible reason for the delay is Armstrong having to admit that he was wrong. You know, the the he he took a gamble. Like it, it it's unheard of to hire a coach in waiting in professional sports and it was a gamble. And I I have to imagine that there's some amount of pride that he has to swallow and maybe it contributed. I don't I don't uh I mean I've said this a number of times on the show. And I think when when Yo was first hired, I texted you. I was I was in I was in at Dauphin Island, on vacation, and I got the news that that uh, Yo was hired. I think it was where I was. No, I was there when Oshie got uh, traded. Right. But uh, when Yo was hired, I texted you and I said, I don't like this. Yeah. I I didn't like it at the time. I have not liked it almost any point since. I mean, yeah, they got off to a nice start when he took over to finish the season, got us in the playoffs and won around. Uh, 
Right. But, but so I'm like, okay, well, if you're gonna win, that's great. You know, I was I was wrong. But and the next and the start of the next season was great. And then it just come the wheels came off the cart and it just was awful. So right. And you know, you bring him in, you hope that you know this this is a an experiment that he is going to be able to learn from Ken Hitchcock, who was had has this reputation, even though he's only won one Stanley Cup and it was nineteen fucking years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That he is a great hockey mind and knows how players operate, you know, on a uh, on a, you know, a psychological level, and obviously that that didn't happen. So, it's the experiment failed. Um, I don't know. What do you, do you guys think? Yo gets another head coaching gig? No, I, not for a long time, if at all. I I, so, I can see. I if he did, if he does, he'd have to be an assistant coach for a while first. Yeah. You mean at the NHL level or any yeah. head coach? NHL level. No, and, and, I don't think so. And that was my initial thought. But then after seeing what happened with Hitchcock getting hired back in Edmonton today, NHL GMs are fucking idiots right. who will retread any tire before they try something new. Yo will get it. And I think where he can be effective if is if he gets a one-year deal to finish out a season, like if he's the guy that's coming in to replace himself right now, he could probably get something out of a team. But he he obviously doesn't have a message that resonates for a long period of time. The difference the, the difference between Hitchcock and Yoda was Hitchcock, I mean, yeah, it was a long time ago that he won a cup, but he still has that cup. And he did have a lot of success here with St. Louis, just not in the playoffs, except for the one season, got to the conference finals. Right. I mean, so he does have that going for him. Yo has absolutely nothing going in his Ab- face. Nothing. Abject playoff failure. Yeah, I, I, and he, he's never finished higher than fourth right. in the division. Abject regular season failure. So, right. And uh, 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 let's see. What then? Uh, the uh, YouTube chat. Yo equals mini hitch. We we talked about um, the coach and waiting. And Armstrong addressed that in the press conference today. He said that, well, the reason why that was done that way was because, and, and they have it on the TV right now, um, that was to, to, make, to try and make the transition as easy as possible to continue that winning brand you know, that, that Hitchcock had as far as regular season success went anyway. Um, but, and it was addressed that, you know, that well, the, there were, the players have changed. I mean, I mean right away, Bacchus and, and Brower left. Uh, well, Bacchus left, and then Brower left. So mm-hmm. well, Brower's gone, and then same offseason. And then yeah, and then and then today, right? And then uh, uh, well, this year, half the forward core is different. Right. So it's not it's not you're not you you can't just if you're going to change per, uh, coaches and then make tweaks to the roster, you're not you don't really there, there's you're not really saying well you got the exact same team either. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's something that's that's kind of the a few on social media have been vocal about that. Um, you know, we've talked about how almost everyone is united with yo being fired, but I have seen some people say it's time we hold the players accountable. I think they have. And, and I think you guys, that's kind of a roundabout way that you just said it, uh, Kurt is that they made changes. I mean, listen, I'm not an Armstrong fan and I'll be first to, to tell you that I'm, I, I think he needs to go, but at the same time, um, he did a lot this summer. He he got rid of Laterra two years ago. He's gotten rid of Berglund and Saboka. He you know, and he's made moves. And and you think about 
oh, this is somebody said this is the third coach that this squad has seen. Yeah, that's not really true. That's Alexander Steen, right? Is that the only guy remaining from when Davis Payne was around? Yes. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah, Bacchus is gone, Oshie's Petrangelo gone, Berglund's wasn't... gone. Yeah, okay. Well, Perron, Perron was here, but he left and came back and then left and came back. So Perron's right. been here for all three. Yeah. Yeah, so Perron, I guess. But Perron was here for Murray, Perron. too. Perron was here for the last four. Right. That, that's true. That, that's, <laughs> that's what made Perron infamous was the Andy Murray. Yeah, the white the skates. White skates. Yeah, white skates, Murray. Yeah. Uh, oh, I hate fucking yeah. hate that. Like, Fuck you, so, Murray. So on that, on that, um, you know, you talk about how you've seen, you know, some fans on social media talking about hold the players accountable. I found it, I, and maybe this is just my perception, and I was tuning everything out, waiting for Yo to be fired. But the second that it went down, it seemed like Blues Twitter divided. Like there was a vacuum that was created, and Blues Twitter divided between the, you know. Now it's Armstrong. You know, we got the pitchforks out. Let's go get Armstrong. And the other half was, oh, it's the fucking players. It it was amazing to me that there was such a quick divide. At least that, that was my perception. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel that? I don't know. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with Bill ever. <laughs> but... I well, no, I think was... I think arguments can be made for both, both sides. That's the in, most intriguing thing about it. Right. Is Armstrong has... He Armstrong is the architect for all of this. Mm-hmm. All of this failed. Right. I mean, like you said, Jeff, he has the last couple off seasons. I think have been his best. But the we're just oddly enough, this not getting the results this season for various reasons on the ice or behind the bench or whatever. And the players, I mean, who knows? I, they always talk about people, the players that um, oh well, so and so. This core group of guys, they quit on a coach or they not playing for this coach. I, I know, Curbs was interviewed on the radio today, and uh, he said he can count on two fingers the amount of times that he's seen a player not you know, that, that he could maybe say quit on his coach. And uh, he goes, because that's like the ultimate insult to a player. And I, I would agree with that. And I think a lot can be said for that. I think it's more on the lines of players like during the Hitchcock era, not buying in mm-hmm. or not grasping the whole concept or not being able to grasp it or uh, refusing to grasp it and thinking their way is better. I don't think that's quitting on the coach necessarily. I guess it could be defined that way, but uh, it, 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 quitting on a coach implies the players out there just skating around in circles and doesn't really give a shit, which I think we can all agree that doesn't happen. But uh, even in the, in the, in the lost LA, I mean, I'm watching the condensed game just before the show and I'm like, you know, the guys are diving around. Try- I mean, they're 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 really fucking trying to, to score some goals, and it's just not going in. Um, so I mean, well, and you you look at the Tarasenko play against the Blackhawks with the uh, the empty net. Patrick Kane's taking a, a slap shot. We all know he's got a hard shot. Tarasenko's trying to play goalie and block it. I mean, if you're trying, if you're quote unquote quitting on your coach. You're not trying to block a shot there. You're just saying, okay, go ahead and score because we want to lose and get this guy fired. That would have been a perfect spot for him to just wave at it with a stick. Yep. You know, and, and but he no, he got his he got his arm, his glove on it or something, and he and that was after he got a tooth knocked out with a high stick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, something tells me though, at, at that point, he was he was high on the adrenaline of I got my tooth knocked out. Maybe. Um nothing to no, lose he, now. Right. He I don't know. His his effort that game was stellar. Uh, the rest of the team not so much. 
so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, this was kind of related to my previous thought about dividing the, the team or the, the fan base between the going after the players and going after the, the GM. What did you guys think of the Pareko minute and a half left? They catch him on camera Sm- laughing. smiling, laughing. And, yeah, and, my one. and half the half of it seemed again half of Blue's Twitter, and this is where I'm getting it from. Half of Blue's Twitter wanted to run him out of town. Yeah, well, and that's probably the, the same half, half said, that won him out of town anyway. Right. Well, yeah. um, are you looking at YouTube there, Bill? Yeah, because Chatterbox, which is Toast, we, by the way, Toast Dispatch. If you call oh, that. that's Toast. Yeah. No, I'm. I do not he, have. Yeah, Kurt's. He Kurt's ju- got the access to the uh, the YouTube chat. He just asked. Uh, to talk about the Preco incident, yeah. I, so, I, so okay. As far as as far as Preco goes, um, I can see I can see where people would be upset about it. Um, personally, and you guys may disagree with this, and fine if do just please say so. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. I I I I mean, I I'm I, I, would I rather a guy be emotionally pissed and upset and throwing breaking sticks at that? I'd I'd love for Pareko to be the badass, pissed off, uh, tough to play against defenseman in front of his own goal, but he's just not that kind of player. Um, I think uh, I don't I think it's a I don't know I I guess I see both sides of it, but personally I don't really care. I mean as long as he's gonna as long as his play on the ice doesn't uh, reflect that that ambivalence. On the bench, I, I I don't I don't care. See this this right here is why radio is better than podcasts because they make they make the co-host say, "All right, you're going to take this side and you're going to take this side." We don't do that here because we're all going to agree on this. I think, Bill, maybe I'm I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, we're not gonna I'm not gonna be contrarian because I don't know. Maybe it's a, a playing the game thing because yeah, there are times when we're losing. And again, I'm not playing NHL level, but we're losing and I'm pissed off. You know, we gave up a big lead and I'm pissed off. But then there are other times where we're losing and it's just kind of like, the fuck are you going to do? We've thrown everything we can at the net. Our goalie's made every save. We're not going to win this game. It's just not in the cards. Fuck it. Don't let it ruin your night. You know, granted, again, that's men's league. But I look at what he did. I mean, it's you could put a camera on any player in the league and there you could watch their face, the reaction to other teams, goals, to penalties, to, and there's going to be, you're going to look at that and you're going to under a microscope say, that's not the reaction he should have. And I want to, I've wanted to be mad when somebody pointed that out. I wanted to be mad and be like, God damn it. Pareko, take this game seriously. The fan in me wanted that. But then I thought, man, Everyone does it. We all do it. Just, you know, you're going to, you see that in everyone. I remember last year, I think it was uh, Chicago. There was a game where they were down by a fair amount and Patrick Kane was laughing on the bench and Blackhawks fans lost their minds. Like, why is he laughing? Because this is his job. You ever had a bad day at your job and you're just, you just laugh it off because it's just, well, nothing I can do. It's just going to be a shitty day today. Here's the deal, though. It happens. Here's the deal. We're we're uh, the outrage is is coming from a, a still shot or a video of him laughing, and people have no idea what the context is either. Right. They don't know 
if if it was if it was part of a game plan uh, that w- that was mentioned to Preco and uh, he was like, okay, we'll see if this works or or whatever. I don't know. Um, or or was it a comment? Uh, about uh, you know, from Steen to Preckless says, "Hey, just check out the chick in the third row." Uh, and it's like, it, it could it, be a chirp. It could be a chirp. It it could have been a chirp. It could have been yeah. It could have been looking at somebody. I don't know. It, Very easily. T- context is important there. I think. However, um, I it, if he now if his ambivalent it, he acted ambivalent. I guess that's what people are talking about you know, to the situation at hand. Uh, I don't care if, if his now if his play on the ice reflects that. Then, like I said earlier, then that's a different story. If he's uh, joking around and not playing his ass off on the ice, that's completely different. But if he's making a pass from uh, his sideboards into the center of the slot with four seconds to go against Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's totally different. Well, that was not. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, I Tos is, is is digging in. He says one minute left in the game and the ship is sinking. That is the context. No, you don't know what was said to him. Right. You right. don't know if it was. You don't know if it was part of the game plan. If Yo said something funny about uh, taking someone's head off on the other team, you don't know. I mean, it it, it could have been anything. Or if Yo said, "Glad I packed my boxes in my office last night." Yeah. So I mean, we don't. Uh, again, I don't. I don't see that ambivalence on the play on the ice from Pareko. Uh, well, adrenaline's a, a funny thing too, because you know, again, I, I think about times where I've taken a penalty and it's I'm pissed off. Like, are you kidding me? That's a bad call. But then I get to the to the box, and you know, the way it works in men's league is usually the box is right next to the players' bench, and um, you know, and I, somebody will say something to me. Oh, ponder, nice job doing this, and it makes me laugh. How do you not know that the, the ten seconds before that he was pissed off? And one of his teammates, or, or Yo, or whoever, said something to him to get him to calm down and, and cool down. We don't know. We yeah. don't know what the situation was. It could have been a calm down situation, Bill. It could have been. It could have been. No, I, <laughs> I, I totally think that context is key. It's it's a bad moment, but you it's, know, it's it it was something for people to grasp onto, yeah. and and to you know, say the players are a problem too. I, and I, and I, I understand how it can look. I, I get it. I mean, I, it, it makes complete sense to me that it doesn't look good, but I think to, uh, you know, throw daggers uh, out of your eyes at Preco and, and call for his benching or, or, you know, healthy scratching or trading, or just because you see that when you have no idea what was said, what context it came from, that's, that's a little harsh. Um, so hey, uh, real quick, we need to make a correction. Petro, was a part of the Hitchcock team. I was well. gonna, I was gonna mention that I or wasn't the, the paying team. Sorry. Okay. Rookie year. Um, I think so. What was it like the eight, the is nine games? I can't remember, but I think that's okay. correct. I remember being mad that Davis Payne sent him down one year, and then he kicked him up the next year. So I, I do know that he was at least a rookie when Payne was his coach. Chatterbox nineteen ninety nine in the YouTube chat, which is toast by the way, toast dispatch. Um, mentioned uh, was talking a little bit ago about Allen. Uh, now, yo was not yo was not the problem. Uh, Allen is the problem, and he's been all about that on Twitter a lot. Um, but seven wins in regulation in like the last forty-seven games played or something. Right. So, and and during Yo's tenure as head coach of the Blues, Jake Allen's save percentage was nine thirteen. Uh, and this is from uh, STL Blues history. Carter Hutton and Chad Johnson combined have a save percentage of 9.32. The Blues team's save percentage is 9.19. We're 26th least in shots. 
uh, against, and Allen had the 25th lowest save percentage, 50 games minimum, in the NHL during Mike Yo's tenure. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I think that, that this goes back to you can't point fingers at one guy for a goal. You know, Alex Petrangelo turns the puck over, sure, but Jake Allen still needs to make that save. I think it's as a, a that's a microcosm of of what we're talking about here. I think two things can can exist together. I think Mike Yo's strategy did not work with this team, especially, but overall in the NHL, I don't think it works anymore. And Jake Allen is not the type of goalie that can bail out his team night in and night out, uh, which I think. I mean, we should, even if you're an Allen supporter, you have to at least see that, that he's not a guy that's well, going to bail out his team every night. We should, I mean, and we've been highly critical of Allen, rightfully so, um, on the show. And But to give him credit, he's he's played very well lately. Yes. So. Yeah, well, so the goaltending thing, like, I, you cannot pin the goaltending problems on Mike Yo. The goaltending no. problems with the, this organization are squarely on Doug Armstrong. He has made every wrong goaltending decision from the 5%, thank you, Art Lippo, Mm -hmm. move to bring in uh, Ryan Miller to uh, not giving Yarrow Halak, a.k.a. Toast Dispatch, (laughs) Dick Senior. (laughs) Senior. (laughs) You're welcome, Dick. Uh, His fair shot at starting in a playoff series when that's the whole fucking reason you brought him to town in the first place to uh, taking offense to Brian Elliott saying, tell me I'm number one, and then trading him in favor of Jake Allen, who hadn't won shit. Yeah. The the goaltending issue is Doug Armstrong's legacy with this team. His inability to understand and put the right goaltender in the right situation except Brian Elliott in, this, in the run-up to the conference finals and then his his inability to retain him, that is that is his legacy. He's made every wrong goaltending decision. That is not on Mike Yo. That is on Doug Armstrong squarely. Yeah, and it's pretty clear too when um, Jake Allen signs that contract and Carter Hutton's at the end of his tenure. I mean, you can't. It's a tough situation for a head coach because you can't say at the end of last year, okay, Carter Hutton. You're starting the big games for us. We're going to play in the last game of the season, a, a game that if we win, we get into the playoffs. Um, that's a that's a tough decision to make because you're looking at it at the the numbers purely. Your number one going into next year is going to be Jake Allen because of that contract. Carter Hutton is a free agent, so you piss off Carter Hutton. Who cares? He's not your problem next year. Uh, you piss off Jake Allen. You got to deal with that in your locker room, and that can be a toxic situation. So, yeah, because of these horrible decisions, Doug Armstrong has made a net. It causes the head coach to to have quite a number of issues every season. Mister Blues has said the the Blues don't trust Allen, and I think I think if to to simplify it down to its bare bones, I think that that plays a lot right. into the this. players. Yeah, the, the players. players do not. The trust players Allen. do not trust Allen, and that. <laughs> Whereas the GM and the coaches trust him too much. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't get that. Um, that so, and that which which really, I mean, it's hard to argue against that point because of uh, how the backups have played uh, during you know Allen's tenure here. He seems to always get 
outplayed or uh, lose a number one job to his backup. So, um, and that that could be partially due to the play in front of him, which is a vicious circle. If you don't play well, the team is not going to trust you, and they're not going to play as well, which will in turn lead to more goals in your own net, which is just bad, just a vicious bad cycle. Uh, so Barube takes over as the interim head coach. Um, he coached Philly in the 13-14 season and 14-15 seasons, finished third and sixth in those two seasons with a record of 75, 58, and 28, lost his only playoff series in seven games in 13-14 season to the Rangers, who went on to the finals that season, losing to L.A. Armstrong said he's in tune with today's game and he's in tune with today's players, which I would say that any GM that hires any coach nowadays would probably say the same thing about the coach they just hired. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very generic, rah uh, uh, rah. The guy just hired comment. So, well, I think it's a, a decent move for the Blues. I mean, we talked about this before. Just let go of Yo, give the intern tag to to Baruby. That's just the best option uh, that you have that that you can definitely do, and you don't have to worry about going out and find a head coach right away. Um, but because he does have head coaching experience, uh, he was the Flyers head coach. Um, He's obviously been trusted before to be given a team and run with it. Um, but I think we've all said this on the show at separate times that uh, he's not the answer. He's not your long-term answer. And I do think that's my biggest fear now. The Blues are going to go on a tear just like we saw. And I think Mike Schilt is a is a wonderful manager as far as I can tell with the Cardinals. But I think you see a lot of that in today's sports these teams go on a run after a coach firing, and well, it's because of the new guy. No, it's because there's a different voice. It has nothing to do with the – well, partially has nothing to do with uh, the change in voice, uh, the, the new voice. It's the fact that you made a change to bring in a new voice and to say, hey, nobody's job is safe. Uh, so, again, maybe Craig Berube turns out to be that guy, but um, I'm just – that's my fear. I, I, don't, I don't want them – to go on a run and then them sign Baruby to a, a head coaching deal. And then they falter at the end of the year. Like we saw with Mike Yo. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I, it's a, it's a weird uh, dynamic to be in. You want the team to do well and win and to uh, get back into the playoff race, um, which is a weird thing to say, not even 20 games into the season, but uh, yeah. this is where we are, unfortunately. Um, but and and I'm also torn with the fact that I don't want them to do uh too well where they just uh make him permanent head coach and I think that's a a rash decision maybe you know I mean we don't know but maybe especially when I mean granted as long as they do the due diligence with trying to find you know if they have more more better <laughs> more better coaches if they have more better coaches on their list which I'm sure they do um that's not a knock on Brube it's just a knock of it's just who's out there. Um, which we can talk about in a few minutes. Um, I, I would, I would, I think, I think, in like a month or two to hear that they've given Brube like a two-year contract would be like, oh man, really? Right. So. Right. It it would be the most Doug Armstrong thing in the world for Brube to come in and get a five-game winning streak, and then you know a, a game loss, and then go five hundred and be like, okay, he's our guy. My work is done. Um, this is the Blues' fifth head coach since the 2011-2012 season. Murray, Payne, Hitchcock, Yo, and Nabrube. Um 
Only nine players have more than 3,000 career penalty minutes, and only two of those players have been uh, an NHL head coach. Brewer Bay is one of those players. This is all from the STL Blues history Twitter account, too. So good stuff today from him. Um, and this is the 26th man behind the bench in charge for the St. Louis Blues. Most for any 1967 expansion team. Philadelphia 19, Pittsburgh 22, Minnesota Dallas 23, and the Kings 25. So we've had basically all of our coaches have averaged about what two years a, a pop, which is about yeah. The Ken Hitchcock era seemed like it lasted an eternity. <laughs> to me, it, it it lasted four years too long. But <laughs> um, early on, early on in the Blues history, they had a lot of coaches. Right. I mean that settled they, down they it over, in like the know, '80s. That settled yeah, down. Yeah, turned it over 80s, with uh, um, Scotty Bowman went right to Montreal after what one season here. It was a very short tenure here, and he went to Montreal. And then fuck Davis Payne was what was it a nine season? games? No, it was he was a, he was, he was a right, season he plus. Replaced the, the, uh, the Dave, Davis Payne coached more games than you. Uh, That's I heard. I read that. Really? Yeah. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah, not many more, but. Mm. So and 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 I remember having the conversation with Jeff at the time uh, that Payne was fired. It was like Payne wasn't doing a bad job. No, it was just that Ken Hitchcock became available. Yeah, which yeah. you know, which I respect the fact that Armstrong w- uh, did that at the time. I mean, Payne wasn't coaching poorly, but he saw a better option available that he thought was better, and he did it. Um, he moved on it. So he is capable of moving on a better option if you think it's out there. Well, you got to figure it. it uh, Payne wasn't his guy, right? Wasn't that a uh, right? That was that a, was a pull hire. Yeah. <coughs> right, right. But so he fired. He but, he, his, but he fired. He Payne. wanted. Oh, uh, right, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, um, he brought in his guy, which was Hitchcock, and, and you know he flat out said <laughs> multiple times that that was his best friend. Brought in another Dallas Stars guy from his days with the Stars and. Uh, that's why he brought in Hitchcock. And yeah, I remember Kurt, I mean, if you folks want to go back, you might be able to find that episode where Kurt and I discuss the firing of Davis Payne. Uh-huh. That's how long this show goes back. But uh, yeah, it's, um, he's shown he's capable of it. And, and that's why, again, not to, again, beat the dead horse here. What took you so long this time? I mean, how, it, was a, it wasn't even a month into the season, right? With Davis Payne. I think you had the numbers here, Kurt. Yeah, he was like um, he was like uh, around the same record. It was a couple games more, I think, than Yo. I think. Yeah, I I know you 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 sent him to us earlier, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's like come on, wh- where was this move? Months ago, I mean, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, they always say that well, Doug Armstrong isn't going to sit on his hands. That's what you always hear. Doug Armstrong is going to he's the type of GM that's going to uh, pull the trigger rather than sit on his hands. Sorry, he's been sitting on his hands for the last couple couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, my impression with the Davis Payne firing was, you know, that he, you hit it uh, on the head, Kurt, that he was bringing in his guy in Hitchcock. But I thought he deserved, I thought Payne deserved a longer leash than he got, and he deserved a much longer leash than Yo got. But, oh, much. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he got he got. But uh, well, yeah, I guess so. No, I think so because you look at the the year before uh, Davis Payne hit. That was the year they had those monstrosity amount of injuries. Uh, Matt D'Agostini was playing the top line for Christ's sake, and they were 
good. I mean, they weren't great, but they were at a point where it was, wow, he's kind of getting blood out of the stone here. And that's why I thought the next year, this guy's going to, he's not getting the ax anytime soon. Um, it was simply because Ken Hitchcock was available. There were the rumors at the time, for those that remember, Hitchcock was working for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was going to take a head coaching job there. Uh, as soon as they fired, I don't remember who it was, uh, somebody. and But then the Blues kind of swooped in and took him. Um, and it's, again, because of the relationship he has with Armstrong. So, yeah, Davis Payne, first year as a head coach in the NHL, I think that deserves a much longer leash than a guy who has done nothing but fail behind the bench in the NHL. Uh, Ken Hitchcock, 45 seconds into his first game as the oldest coach, is losing. <laughs> one nothing. Uh, gave up a rebound. The the goalie um, deflected finished, by yeah finished goalie wearing number 19. I, I brought this up after our show last week. Uh, you don't see that goalies wearing 19 in the NHL, and mm. uh, I don't think you're going to see it long with that kind of performance. That Not, was a bad rebound. Yeah, rebound. Donskoy scores in front on the backhander. Um, is uh, is Ken Hitchcock? Are they showing him right now with his arms folded? They didn't show him at all. Yeah, they they didn't show him at all. Probably because he, he was dusting off the fuck me. This <laughs> this this is the NBCSN broadcast. You think they would have showed him? Oh well. Uh, Braden Shen on Brio Bay because he Shen played under Brio Bay in Philadelphia. I've had him before in Philly, and players respect him a lot. Guys love him around the locker room. Guys are going to play hard for him. I expect no different here than it was in Philly. Even though they didn't really, they finished third and sixth under him in Philly. Yeah. So, uh, nine-time Cup winner Larry Robinson will join the St. Louis Blues coaching staff in the short term. Big Bird. So he's no longer uh, a semi-consultant. Semi- yeah, he was like gathering sticks for players the other day. They had a video of him like putting sticks away. That's kind of weird. Huh. I, uh, that is very bizarre. I, I was kind of shocked that he wasn't the guy, but I mean, I guess you're kind of looking at it as Ruby was the associate coach. So it's kind of a slap in the face. If he's not the next guy in line to, to at least get the interim tag. Um, but man, I, I don't know. Larry Robinson's had some success in the NHL. He's a defensive minded guy who uh, the blues really could use right now with the defensive woes we've seen for most of the season, not lately. Um but I don't know. I, I was kind of rooting for that, but again, I I don't think that's really an option when you when you have an associate coach uh, kind of waiting to to take over as soon as the first guy goes. Uh, I was surprised by the ringing endorsement that uh, Armstrong gave Mike Van Ryan in the presser today. Yeah. He said he's super excited about Van Ryan and um, uh, Otter as the. Uh, you know, as coaches, they they have great potential, but they're too young. So we felt like we had to bring in Larry Robinson, who is, you know, a, a an historical figure in the NHL. Thank you for saying that correctly. The uh, Armstrong press conference today uh, said a lot of some interesting things. Uh, you know, the company line, we're like, we're not good enough. Well, no shit. Um, but as the general manager, the wins and losses fall on hockey operations, he said. And as the president of hockey operations and general manager of the team, there's things that need to be addressed. No joke. Uh, he said, Mike, was paying for the sins of myself and the entor- entire organization. How many times did he say that? Yeah, a lot. It, it, it Too was, many. Right. That was his practice line. Yeah. I, it, I mean, 
Uh, yeah, that was that was something he rehearsed. I think. Yeah, they've written down. Um, yeah. Anybody that's prepared for a presentation knows you've got those go-to lines. He said we don't uh, we don't play competitively competitively enough to draw penalties. Um, and uh, army on the players, it's very disappointing when work ethic is something that they question about themselves. Which that's a good point. I right. mean, all all the comments you hear after games all the time is we gotta work harder. We're not work hard enough. Um, Tarasenko tried, said uh, after the other game, maybe we're trying too hard. <laughs> so they don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. Um, and players are definitely not on the same fucking page. And f- apparently from this press conference, uh, the coach and the GM were not on the same page about player usage because you could directly connect a lot of uh, the quotes about misusing players to J. Bo Meester. And why the fuck is that guy in the lineup? You, I think. Well, the the one comment was, you you don't play, you don't play the players because of what they make. You play them because of what they do. Right. Something something to that effect, which is pretty much what we said last week about why Joe J. Bill Meester should not be in the lineup for this team. And uh, he also said the the team's highs are too high and the lows are too low. Right. And they're too emotional. Right. The great teams, the highs are high and the lows are high. And Wh- the blues don't have that. And which we can look back at the Pareko moment, laughing on camera. Do you want the guy to be all depressed and pissed off on the bench or you know getting really low? Or do you want him to kind of like balance that out with some humor? I don't know. We want stoic. Stoic. I think if the blues are first in the central and the camera flashes to Pareko. People are still going to be pissed uh, if they're losing that game. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of magnified when you've got the issues this team is seeing. So the one the one comment he said that I wanted to talk about a little bit was, we've stayed patient with the core group of players, uh, and that patience now is at its thinnest point. Which this core would be Steen, Petrangelo, Tarasenko, Bomeister, Schwartz, those are the guys that have been in the longest. Allen. Allen. So, uh, I mean, I, that, I was, and there was a Twitter poll. I forgot who put it out. Um, who's the first to go? If someone goes, of those of the of the core guys, who's the first to go? If somebody goes. Well, the question is, who doesn't have a trade no trade clause that Doug Armstrong hands out like candy? <laughs> That is a very pertinent point. Or who gets benched, or who gets healthy scratched, or who get who faces the wrath first? I think the probably the easiest answer would be Steen, just because he he doesn't produce at the level that he was producing when he was given the contract he was given. You know, he's been better this year, though. He has been. He's, he, he's got 10 points when, in 16 games. When he's been in the lineup, he has been a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I uh, I think I, I'm very curious to see how, and I doubt it changes too much, to be honest, uh, how Bowmish is used. I don't think it's going to change that much. Do you? I, I, I do. You do? Okay. I hope, I, I hope I it think, does. I, I personally think Armstrong's comments that, that Bill mentioned – was specifically Jay Bowmeister. And I think it I don't know, maybe maybe he's just trying to save face. But we we kind of speculated, uh, I think it was last week on our show, who's making that call? Who's saying Jay Bowmeister has to play? Is the GM who handed him a ridiculous contract? 
or is it the head coach who favors veterans? Or is and, it the defensive coach? Or the defensive coach? I, we don't know. So I think we'll see that now. If it's the defensive coach or it's the GM, okay. But uh, I think I think personally, just judging from that comment from uh, from Doug Armstrong, and then uh, judging by what we know about Mike Yo, I think you're going to see him third pairing at best moving forward unless there's injury and uh i'm fine with that i mean i'm fine with them playing him just to play him but if he's playing more than 14 minutes a night get the hell out of here what are you what are you doing so i we'll see i but i i i truly believe there's going to be a change there yeah i i think the message that that if if armstrong's not the kind of guy that communicates directly to his coach to say why the hell are you still playing Jay Bo Meester? His comments in the presser today were definitely don't play Jay Bo Meester as much as Yo did. I would I would hope that's the case. I hope that's yeah. what I, I hope I hope you're absolutely right, Jeff. If if he isn't the healthy scratch that he's playing no more than fourteen minutes a night. And not killing penalties. Which Yeah, does. you know, even last season I thought, you know, he's still okay on the penalty kill. Not mm. now. Not, he just he doesn't have it anymore. In, 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 camping out in front of the net and boxing out players is like he can't do it anymore. Yeah. He, he no. can't. He can't. He can't. Uh, he's he never ties up the guy's stick. The guy's stick is always free. He's, the guy always rolls off of him, and he can't find him. Uh, it, it's just I, he just he, he needs to retire. Is what he needs to do. He needs to hang him up. He just doesn't have it. Yeah, that's that's something that I actually mentioned. I think last week on our show was uh, some. Some players, uh, they can they can hang with the game, they can adapt, they can change, and say, okay, I can play this style of game to remain relevant. And then some guys, the game just passes them up. And unfortunately for Jay Bomeister, that happened to him about three years ago, and it's only getting worse. Doug Armstrong said he plans to cast a wide net for the next permanent Blues head coach, saying he'll look at European coaches, coaches with NHL experience, and college coaches. So pretty much everyone. Um, and... Not that one particular individual who you're referring to. Um, no, not him. The one, the one who would not be mentioned today during the press conference. Uh, the Hockey News had an article today that listed a number of uh, possible replacements for the Blues, the permanent Blues head coaching job. Uh, listed were first and foremost Joe Quinville, which I think that's everyone knows that that seems to be who. The Blues probably would like to have right, and the fan base is already anointed as the only op- uh, only uh, a vast majority of the fan base has anointed as the only option that is acceptable. Right. Yeah, which is a shame because I it, that that's going to be a tough thing to do um, because uh, the Blues do have to get permission from the Blackhawks to. But the go, Blackhawks have six million I reasons know. to give permission. But the Blackhawks have a lot of money too. And that doesn't count towards the cap, right? So I mean, they 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 could always assign him a different. Now I guess this they could always assign him to a different position because he's not fired. He was he was relieved of his coaching duties. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mr. Blues Hat mentioned on Twitter today they could always reassign him to a different position. I guess yeah, I guess they could, but he could always say nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know. So what's then what happens? Right. Um, I'll, I'll go to the fucking Bears game right. and tailgating and yeah. doing shotskis. Yeah. 
So, but so the, yeah, he does. The Blues do have to get permission from the Blackhawks if they want to talk to Quinville. So now the question is: obviously, the Blues would show interest, um, but they would have to then take over that six million dollar contract, which is this year and next, which is prorated for this year. He wouldn't make it; wouldn't be quite six million, but next year will be six million. Um, and he may want an extension. Uh, on, he may he may want two years after that, um, at more than six million, which. I, that'd be a hard sell for more than six million. I think it'd be a pretty ballsy thing for him to do, because okay, he is getting older, and the most and the highest paid coach in the NHL is uh, Babcock at six and a half million. So I mean, does he, does he want to be the highest paid coach? And then would you make Quinville the highest paid coach for the Blues, like seven million a year? I I don't think the Blues can allocate that kind of money there. I agree no, with you. I agree with you. Here. But do you think you would ask for it? Do you think he would? I mean, do you think he would demand that and say, "I'm not coaching unless I'm the highest paid coach"? Because I don't. If he asks for a raise, that he's going to be the highest paid coach in the NHL. I don't personally know the man, so I can't really answer yeah. the question. Yeah, I, I know. I I would hope not, but from a purely economic perspective, why wouldn't you? You have you you you're getting paid six million dollars to do nothing. You nope. have to lure me into coming into a shitty situation. Why? Well, why would you not ask for more money? I, I think I think he I think he might price him out of anybody that wants to hire him. But the Toronto's got unlimited pockets. They have they have Babcock. They're not going to. Who who has the money to hire him? If he, if he wants to coach again, that's the thing too. Does he want to coach this season? Rumor is that he does. So I mean, if he, he wants. If, what's that? East Coast. East Coast. I mean, there's a lot of teams that, that would probably have the money to, to afford him, but to make him the uh, highest a lot of those coach? teams are, are locked in to what they're paying their guys, and they're yeah. not they're not journeying away from that. Barring they uh, uh a couple collapses here or there to like Boston or Tampa or somebody. what about Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is sputtering. They're not happy in Pittsburgh, and you know the I, a friend of mine at work is a Penguins fan, and he uh, he's talked about rumblings that major changes are afoot there. Bob Brakowski in the YouTube chat tweeted out uh, posted, "How many playoff games equals six million dollars?" <laughs> <laughs> didn't they didn't they say that each playoff game brings in? Why am I thinking a million in revenue? That's a lot. It's like close. A lot. It's it's. I thought it was series. Each series a brought in like a million and a half, depending on the round. So I guess yeah, you know, and how many home games you get. Yeah. I, I so I guess, I guess if they go to the conference finals, they can make that money back, ish. Go to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and make sure every game goes seven games. Yeah, there you go. That's the way to do it. Uh, other options are uh, listed in this article: uh, Elaine Vigneault, Ricard Gronberg. Uh, who and Sheldon Keefe, which we talked about before, Scott Sandlin, and uh, Dominique Ducharme. Ducharme? 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 How do you pronounce that? Ducharme. Ducharme. He's the, currently the Montreal Canadiens assistant coach. Uh, is he assistant coach or is he the coach in Laval? He is currently the assistant coach, according to this article. And uh, he guided the uh, Halifax Mooseheads to the Memorial Cup in 2013. He was named the coach of the uh, of the year that season at both the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the uh, CHL levels, and has since added gold at the Holinka uh, Tournament and the 2018 World Juniors. Uh, he's an up-and-comer, this article says, and that could be exactly what the Blues need. Mm-hmm. So yeah, That would be interesting. It's kind of like uh, uh, 
when Willie Desjardins uh, first got hired into an NHL job, and he's on his third one, right? Third now? Yeah. He was uh, Dallas and then Vancouver, and now he's behind the bench. I think he's still got the interim tag in L.A. Yes. Yes, he does. They're, yeah. They're coaching and waiting there is Marco Sturm. Yeah. He's he's gonna yeah. be their next guy. He was the the uh, uh, Germany right the guy the that, Germany coach. Yeah, that got Germany a fucking silver medal at the world. Yeah, so they they loved him and they they're he's kind of learning under Desjardins. So he's he's gonna be a free agent next year unless he comes back as an assistant coach under Sturm. So Elaine Vigneault, people know um, he's been around for a while. Former Blues defenseman for what, what yeah. was it 81, 82, or eighty eighty one? I think he was. Uh, in our lineup, and then Ricard Gronborg, who uh, you may not know, uh, uh, since Armstrong mentioned European coaches uh, will be mentioned. This guy uh, has long been considered one of the best coaches in the world. His work with the Swedish national team has put him in the spotlight. His name cropped up last summer prior to the New York Rangers filling their coaching vacancy, and it would be no surprise to see it come up again this time around, according Wait. to this article. So, does it say what uh, does he? coach a, a Swedish elite league team and and can we get Pierre to pronounce it for us please it says he where is he at where is he at? Uh, Tom McClellan's on her too is it for Lunda uh let's see he's uh let's see what does it say where is it? um he it's been let's see, he has uh, some familiarity with the North American game too he played at the St. Cloud State University in the late 80s and early 90s, later coming on as assistant with the program in 1994-95. He then spent the next seven seasons playing his, plying his trade around the United States, including a spell as an assistant with the WHL Spokane Chiefs in 0405. Um, let's see, right... Uh, no, doesn't say where he is exactly Swedish right now. Swedish national team. Yeah, I guess that. Okay, that's yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's... A couple you've heard of and a couple you probably haven't. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes and who they get. And Armstrong said he's not going to answer any more questions about how the search is going in any press conference. Well, okay, the press conference. He was specific in that. Maybe we'll get him on the show and we'll ask him. <laughs> Let's do that. We'll get on that. I'll get on that. <coughs> Um, we, Jeff, you have an interview that, uh, we're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to close out this show in a second here. Uh, and, uh, but for the podcasters that listen on the podcast, we're going to uh, tack on an interview that you did. Jeff, you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, and for those listening live, just make sure you download the, uh, the podcast wherever you get your podcast at, uh, Google play iTunes, or if you want to listen over at let's go blues radio.com. Um, you can find it there. We're also on what stitcher and. Plex and yeah, uh, all over the place. A lot of places, yeah. Yeah, pretty so, much. Pretty uh, much any app, any podcasting app you have, you can listen. If you want to come over to my house, we can play it on my computer, and and I'll let you listen to it while I sit and stare at you. That'd be fine too. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I actually interviewed a friend of the show. We've had him on. If you're a longtime listener of Let's Go Blues Radio, you've heard him before. Uh, Jeremy Gover, uh, formerly of uh, uh, Kurt. We said it earlier. What was it? Uh, Cell, Cell Block 309? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so he used to do a podcast and, and kind of an interesting story on him, but we don't get into it at all, but I'll get a little background. He actually was getting ready to uh, quit the media because he wasn't making any money. He was doing the podcast. Well, then 
they loved his work with the Nashville Predators, so they asked him if he would be interested in working for them. So he is now um, the works for Nashville Predators uh, Radio Network. Uh, he writes for oh man, the game, the game Nashville. I want to say .com is the website he writes for, and he does a wonderful job. Again, we've had him on the show multiple times. Um, the game Nashville.com. That is correct. Uh, he's a locker room reporter talks to the players uh so yeah he he has some insight on the nashville predators and uh we kind of preview for those that aren't aware and, and we're too caught up in the news today to realize blues have a uh, home and home coming up with the nashville predators tomorrow and on friday right. so we preview that a little bit we talk about the coaching change and we talk about uh the goaltending situation in nashville so uh yeah again if you're listening live make sure you download this episode tomorrow wednesday november 21st and uh listen to that interview it's only about 15 20 minutes but uh that is how we're going to close the show so again i want to thank jeremy gover for last minute coming on the show and uh previewing that that series coming up yeah so next week maybe we got a post game show or something on wednesday wednesday night i don't know Production. Um, it's it. Yeah, it's gonna be dicey. I'm getting yeah. back from uh, um, taking taking a uh, a little vacation at the beginning of the week, um, and I'll be driving back into town. Because it there's a game Tuesday and Wednesday. I will figure it out. Yeah, we'll we'll have to chat offline about it. Yep. Okay. So that'll do it for this the webcast of uh, this week's episode of Let's Go Blues Radio. For Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm Kurt Price. That will conclude this week's broadcast of Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, Let's Go Blues. Adios, For Ruby for Prez. This is Jeff Ponder of Let's Go Blues Radio, and I am joined by Jeremy Gover. Uh, He is a reporter on the Nashville Predators. He's the locker room reporter for the Predators Radio Network and writer at thegamenashville.com. Uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, Jeff. How are you? Very good, very good. I'm getting excited for this uh, two-game series, especially with the Blues news that was just released uh, a couple hours ago, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Your team, the Nashville Predators, kind of on the opposite spectrum of the Blues, almost uh, the exact opposite. They have gotten off to a flying start. Now, I know this is kind of a loaded question, but... What has been the the major driving force that you've seen that has led to this uh, explosive start? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. I, I honestly think it's a combination of a few things, right? I mean, the first thing is uh, Pecorine's outstanding play in net, and then even when he went down with an injury, UC Soros uh, coming in in uh, very solid relief. I think that kind of takes care of the back end. Uh, the defense core, of course, having been together for a couple seasons now, uh, for the most part, obviously there's the, you know a new piece in Dan Hamuse there, a new old piece in Dan Hamuse <laughs> there, but um, but uh, it's the core is basically the same, and then of course I think uh, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, like the Predators were expected to at least go to the Western Conference Final, if not win the Cup last year, and they ran in, they ran into Winnipeg, uh, a team that was better than them, quite frankly. And so I think the team specifically told David Poyle, general manager David Poyle, that they they wanted to bring this, the core back, the same, basically had the same roster back, and, uh, and 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 give it another go. And I think what that, to me, and I'm reading, if I'm reading the, between the lines here, and I may be wrong, of course, but 
my sense is that they thought because they went to the Western Conference, oh, excuse me, they went to the Stanley Cup final two playoffs ago and lost in Game Six to Pittsburgh Penguins, of course. Uh, they thought that if they brought the same group back, they could then go back to the Stanley Cup final, have a crack at it. Well, and then then they won they went out and won the President's Trophy, so that's which secured home ice for them, and they thought that was going to be their ticket. Now again, I'm I'm. I'm just, this is my perception of it all. I'm not saying nobody's ever told me that. But to my, my perception is that they put so much emphasis on home ice advantage, they felt like they would have, uh, you know, a, a leg up. Almost like a, not necessarily an automatic win on home ice, but certainly that that would give them, you know, a, a, an advantage, if you will. Uh, and what they found out is that's not the case. Uh, you still have to go out there and work really hard and play and uh, the best of your ability. And I think. The Stanley Cup final run, coupled with the disappointing loss to Winnipeg in Game 7, when they really should have won that series, let's be honest, right? Winnipeg was the better team, in my opinion. But, you know, when you blow – they had a three-goal lead, three-nothing lead at the end of the first period in one of the games, and they blew it and lost that game in Winnipeg. And then they go up to Winnipeg and they steal a couple games on their home ice, which is nearly impossible to do. And they come back to Bridgestone, which is supposed to be this impenetrable fortress, right, that no, nobody can win in, and they lost – you know, more than a handful of games. So it's it just the combination of all these things, I think you put in a big stew, and I think the players understand that they have to play their best and kind of work out the kinks now, as opposed to like, okay, we'll wait for the playoffs to get here, and then we'll really start playing. And then the next thing you know, Colorado's got confidence all of a sudden. Winnipeg is, you know, they, they believe they belong, and next thing you know, they're out in seven games. So for me... Uh, long-winded answer. Sorry about that. Is that uh, <laughs> I, I just think if you the, the, the gelling mechanism, I think has been the experience of having those back-to-back results, the season results, with the same. I don't know what is it, eighty-five, ninety percent of the roster being exactly the same. I think learning together is a big step. You mentioned uh, Pecorine having a just an unbelievable season yet again. Of course, he had a, a career season last year, um, and so they rewarded him with a, a two-year extension. Uh, did you like that deal, or do you think uh, it's kind of time to start handing over the rings to back up UC Soros? Well, uh, as I wrote about on thegamenashville.com when the signing happened, I thought it was very clear, the, the succession plan. I thought uh, what, what, the, what the deal did for me was it rewarded a lifetime predator. Right, This is a guy who was drafted so late that the round doesn't even exist anymore, the eighth round. And so he was, de- he was drafted by the team, he was developed by the team, he became you know, uh, a Vesta Trophy winner with the team, a President's Trophy winner with the team, you know, uh, got him to a Stanley Cup final and the third finished board goaltender ever to play in a Stanley Cup final, by the way. So it was uh, until Saros did. He was fourth, by the way, because he, he filled in for Rene. But I digress. Uh, Rene has done all these lifetime predator. He wants to stay in Nashville for the remainder of his career, which is very rare. Even Martin Brodeur, who I think is probably the top, I don't know, second or third greatest goaltender ever, who played with the New Jersey Devils forever and a day, even he didn't end his whole career. Like, he went to St. Louis for a cup of coffee before retiring, right? So it's very rare for a player to finish his whole career with one team, and I think he really wants to do that. It's very important to him. So uh, they rewarded him by, by with a two-year contract, but they also made it clear by staggering the value, right? Yes, it's a, ten, yes, it's a two-year, $10 million contract, but what you're not seeing is that it's a, the first year is $6 million, and the next year is $4 million. That, to me, is a clear indication that Soros, by that second year, will be the starter, or at the absolute very least, they'll be splitting 50-50 while, they hand, while Rena hands the torch to his friend and his understudy, UC Soros. So for me, it answered a lot of questions. 
and uh, I think it's I think it's a great move by the Predators because it locks up uh, locks up a, 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 a local hero, quite frankly, who they'll probably build a statue of if he brings in the cup, and then uh, they'll retire his number first chance they get, I'm sure, you know, when he retires. So they lock him up, but they also are saying, okay, you see, you're in the wings, and this is a clear succession plan to me. What do you see a difference in the game between Rene and Soros? Uh, what does Soros bring that maybe Rene doesn't? That's a great question that I've never really thought about. I've kind of thought of Soros as an extension of Rene in the sense that Pekka is obviously you know, six foot five, right? Soros is very much not. He's yeah, right. 10, okay. So I think he's, he's listed at five eleven, but I, I would argue he's five ten. So I'm five ten. I look eye to eye with him. So, um, I, so Rene is taller. Rene is bigger. But Soros makes up for that, for the lack of size, if you will, with his athleticism. He's so good at staying in position no matter what, even when scrambling. He's playing the odds the entire time with his angles and all that stuff. And, uh, and it's way, probably way too more analytical than when you wanted to get into. But the point is, I think, is, is Soros is an extension of Rene in the sense that, yes, he's smaller, like to say by six or seven inches, but their athleticism is the same. Their never give up on the play is the same. There, like the only thing that I think Soros doesn't have that Rene has, and he's not bad at it, but I think that where you would look at the two and be like, oh, here's a, here's a clear advantage, is size, of course, but he can't help that. And then stick handling. Rene is very much a third defenseman back there almost at all times, right? He's been caught, sure, making the stupid mistake of trying to do too much or whatever, but I think a lot of goaltenders, Martin Rodor was that way, Ron Hextall was definitely that way. A lot of goaltenders that handle the puck well tend to fall into that category. You see a little bit of mistake there but you only see that because they're so confident in making the play right so they come out and they make that play as opposed to somebody who's in desperation mode so i would think soros he, he's not quite up to Rene's par there but he really is an extension almost like a it's almost like a reset button whenever that act, the transition actually happens from Rene to soros assuming that soros can show that he's truly a starter in this league which he he has shown glimpses of that but he hasn't really got the opportunity short of when Rene was injured earlier this season uh, if he can truly show over a long period of time that he's a starter in this league, which we all think he's going to, uh, I think it truly is just a reset button for the Predators. Uh, what's the latest update on P.K. Subban's health? Uh, David Poyle was on 102.5 The Game here uh, this afternoon, and he, uh, uh, co- uh, being coy about it, uh, because they don't want to give any, you know, tip any hands or anything, he basically said that uh, it's going to be a little while longer. But then he immediately followed it up with, well, because, oh, sorry, let me give you some context there. The, the context is that tonight, or tomorrow night's game against St. Louis, right, Wednesday night's game, is the first game Subban would be eligible to return in from off the IR. That's where that question came from, sorry. And so then Poyle said, well, I think it's going to be a little bit longer. But then he immediately followed it up with, it won't be too long, but it's going to be a little bit longer. So to me, that means about one or two more weeks, I would think, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't, you know, egregiously long, like Victor Arvidsson, for example, you know, two-time 30-goal scorer, he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken thumb, right? I mean, that's that's more long-term. That's like flipping the calendar to the next year long, right? So so if, so if they can get Subban back by, let's say, December 1st or 2nd, I think they're in good shape. Outside of the goaltending, uh, what to you has been uh, – has there been a – let me ask this. Is there a surprise player maybe this year that, that you look at and say, I was not expecting that from him this season? Well, I'll give you two. Uh, one positive, one negative. The first one, I'll go negative, is uh, Kevin Fiala. So Kevin Fiala is a guy who he didn't, he didn't score a single goal until uh, Kyle Turris 
came to Nashville, and that was on November 15th. That was his first game, November 15th, 2018. Uh, excuse me. November 15th, 2017 was his first game in gold. And all of a sudden, Fiala throws together 23 goals <laughs> and ends the season with 48 points. So it, it really did take Torres to uh, join the team for Fiala to get going. So now here we are, and all all season long, or excuse me, all summer long, Coyle is on the air and saying that you know uh, a lot of experts are saying you know, Kevin Fiala could be a thirty goal scorer, maybe not this year, but it's soon. And right now he has the team's worst plus minus at minus seven, and he's only got nine points, two of which are goals. So in other words, not good. And so uh, there's there's a little bit of trepidation there on on uh, Prince fans' part, where they, they look at that and they go, no 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 no, he should be a lot better. But then there's other there's more trepidation on you know from the experts' point of view, which I will uh, I'll say that I agree with, and that's that maybe it just takes him a while to come onto the scene, right? Philip Forsberg was a great example of this. His first three NHL seasons, not last year or this year, of course. But his first three NHL seasons, it took him forever to find the back of the net. He was doing good things. He was always making things happen or, you know, all these creative plays, but nothing was falling for him. But, and then finally, like, you know, come December 1st, oh, there goes Forsberg again, and he goes on this 30-goal tear, right? It's just crazy. So maybe Fiala falls into that category, maybe because we're around that November 15th date, being November 20th and all, 21st, Thanksgiving week. Maybe he starts to pick it up, and Fiala goes off and running, and everything's fine. But as of right now, it's very concerning to see nine points in 21 games from Kevin Fiala. And then the positive one I'll give you is the guy I just mentioned, uh, Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris uh, had a horrendous, and I use that very, very strongly, uh, playoff run last year. Was not good at all, to the point where there were a couple games in the, in the first round series against Colorado where I was on one to five the game, uh, Preds Insiders or the pregame show or whatever it may be, and I called him a liability. Like, that's how bad he was wow. in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the first in the two rounds of the playoffs last year. So there was a lot of concern with, wait a minute, the Preds just signed this guy for seven years when they traded for him. Like, he was fine during the regular season, but he kind of disappeared in the playoffs. Like, that's not a good sign for seven years going forward. But lo and behold, he has 16 points in 21 games, and he looks well on his way to kind of reclaiming that 45, 50-point status, right? That player that he's kind of consistently been. You just have to hope, if you're a Predators fan, you have to hope that in the playoffs it continues and doesn't go away. So the Blues uh, going into these two games against Nashville are 1-4-3 and three against the Central. But the big news, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have a coaching change in St. Louis. Mike Yo out. Craig Berube steps back in uh, behind the bench as the number one head coach in St. Louis, no longer an assistant. Uh, we've seen before, in the not just the NHL, but all professional sports, uh, there'd be a coaching change, and uh, all of a sudden that team is uh, uh, superstars. Looks like they've been skating together for 50 years, and, and they're just barnstorming the league. Uh, does that concern you heading into these two games uh, for the Nashville Predators? I don't think it does. I think that, um, here's what I will say that concerns me. The Predators and Matias Ekholm, I talked to him last night after the game, against Tampa, the 3-2 went over Tampa, and he actually outright admitted this. Now, he, I, that wasn't the question that he was asked, but uh, but he did say something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of if uh, whenever we seem to play a really good team, we play really well. Okay, so let me, now that, that's, that's his paraphrased quote. Now, let me translate that into, that means to me that when they have a reason to get up for a game, they turn it on. Do they have reason enough to be motivated against St. Louis? 
Now, you would love to think if you're a Predators fan, well, of course they do. It's you know, it's a division game. The, you know, the, the Blues are. I think it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But they're only seven points out of a playoff spot, I believe. Yes. You know, which is okay. So that's you know, what four wins, three and a half wins away. So, like, that's not that far. If Nashville wins, you know, loses both, you know, drops both games Wednesday and Friday, well, then all of a sudden St. Louis is back at the hunt, where they can take four points away from them. In theory, blah 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 blah. So, so to, to me. That's what that's what concerns me. If, if I if I'm a fan, that's what concerns me about about that quote. Is that well? Is there enough motivation in the tank for St. Louis, or are they going to look at it and go, look, they're reeling. They got a new coach. They're in desperation mode. They're not. Nothing's clicking. Jake Allen is. He's been okay. He's been good, right? But he's. But they're not scoring. And then of course he has a history of not doing well, you know, uh, for long stretches. So we'll be fine. That's the danger, I think. Right? If you're a Predators fan, you think you may think that no, they're not going to actively think that, but subconsciously they might think, oh, this is not Tampa, you know, it's not Winnipeg, it's not even Pittsburgh. You know, they're not doing well, but they've got a history of Pittsburgh. So it's not, it's not any of those teams. Like, we, like it'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll just half-ass it, and then, you know, maybe get a victory, split the, split the games, you know, whatever it is. So uh, that's what concerns me more than anything else. If I'm a Predators fan. Well, Jeremy, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. I want to give you plenty of time here to uh, tell my listeners, anyone who uh, might want to follow you on Twitter, uh, maybe read what you write, where can uh, you be found online? You can find me on Twitter at Govertime. That's Overtime with a G, so it's Govertime. And then, of course, on TheGameNashville.com. Don't forget the, the TheGameNashville.com, which is... 1025 The Game, which is National Predators' uh, uh, flagship radio station. That's their website, thegamenational.com. You can read my stuff there as well. That's longtime friend of the show, Jeremy Gover. Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. <laughs> St. Louis Blues, St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friend.